ahead and turn to the book of Luke. Let me turn my microphone on. We are, uh, it's, it's been a little slow getting through the book of Luke so far. We started a while ago and we're just now um, in the middle of Luke chapter 4. But at this point, going forward, we'll be able to handle some larger chunks of Luke. Um, but I, we got a lot going on today. And I just want to say I'm really excited. I don't have this grand intro because I just want to let the text be what it's going to be and let God do what he's going to do. And I'm excited. So uh, let's pray. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, uh, Lord, just thank you for um, allowing us to feel your presence. God, I I feel your spirit um, among us, Lord. Uh, Lord, I know that you're here. Lord, you were there with us through worship. Lord, I pray that um, we'll be lifted up to you, God, that it was pleasing to you. Um, But God, I pray that as we focus in on your scripture, we focus in on your word and what you have to say to us, Jesus, I I just pray that you just make it so clear to us. That it's not about um, who we are or our idea of the gospel, but it's about you, Jesus, and your mission and your greatness and your righteousness. So, God, I pray that as we study this and we dig in to just make it clear to us, God, challenge us. Don't let us leave here unchallenged, God. Don't let us leave with our hearts not being transformed to you. No matter how hard um, that heart transformation might hurt, God, change us. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Use me as your microphone. It's your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. So I'll give you a little quick context of what's happening. If you haven't been with us, that's okay. Um, basically what happened, Luke is writing his gospel account. He's specifically writing to Theophilus, right? We talked about this several weeks ago. He's writing to his friend Theophilus, trying to show him who Jesus Christ is, what he has done, um, and trying to show him that, man, Jesus is good. Right? So at this point where we are now, Jesus was baptized and the heavens were busted wide open. And God looks at Jesus and says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And that's great news for us. Because what that means is we don't have to please the Heavenly Father. He's pleased with his son. We need to be founded in, his, in Jesus. That's great news for us. And so Jesus comes out of the waters. He's filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He's led into the desert, led into temptation, comes out spotless for 40 days being tempted and starving. He came out spotless where we would have failed about an hour in. Right? We would have failed instantly. He comes out spotless. He comes out perfect. And now the Spirit has led him. And he's going around preaching. And he's going around teaching. And he's beginning his ministry. And what we're about to get into is, is very crucial to your understanding of why Jesus came in the first place. And very crucial to your understanding of the gospel and what it means for you as a Christian. And so I need you to focus in with me. Amen? Here we go. We're going to start Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And it says this, And he came to Nazareth, okay, so he's at his hometown, where he had been brought up. And was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. Okay, so this isn't uncommon. This is a a normal worship service. They're coming in. They have multiple readers. Jesus now steps up, and he's about to read, okay? And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. So this is a messianic text, meaning it's going to be talking about the future Messiah. Okay, this is what Jesus chooses to read. Listen to this. Verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me 
to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Verse 20, and he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all the eyes of those in the synagogue were fixed on him. Okay, so I want you to picture this, okay? You're in the synagogue. Jesus stands up. He reads this hardcore messianic text, right? Showing that the coming Messiah is here. He's reading about this text. And then he sits down and everyone's looking at him like, really? You're not going to talk about that? Like, you're just going to read that and sit down? It's kind of like Jesus did kind of a mic drop. Right? Here it is. Here's, the, here's the, the, the messianic text. Here's Isaiah. And then he sits down and all of the eyes were upon him. And so if that's important, if Jesus chose to read this scripture, that means he's trying to say something. Right? That means that he, he's not just going to do something just to do it. He's trying to prove something. So look at verse 21. And he began, so now all the eyes are on him. He began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled. So what is Jesus saying? I'm here. This is me. I'm here. The Lord, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm here to proclaim good news to the poor. I'm here to set liberty to those who are being oppressed. I'm here to recover sight to those who are blind. I'm the Messiah. And he sits down. Right. And and so here's here's really this is what is easy to happen. This happens to me. Um, If you grew up in the church. Right. If, you, if you've been read the Bible to before, if you've been in Sunday school, it's easy to kind of read certain things and go, oh, yeah, yeah. I remember this chapter. I remember this story. This is when Jesus says a prophet is without honor in his hometown. How many of you guys remember that verse? Right. I don't even have to. That, that's coming. Right. So here's here's what we, we got to understand. That's not happening right now. That's coming. Okay, uh, and, and I know a little bit about how that feels, right? I grew up in Modesto, California. Y'all know that. My home church was Calvary Baptist Church. And so every time I go home, no matter how much I've learned, right, no matter how much I, I've preached well, no matter how uh, much better I've gotten at proclaiming the gospel, every time I go home, they ask me to come and preach. And I go in, I preach my guts out to them, right, trying to just, I'm just, Preaching anything I can, just trying to show them that God's using me. And no matter what, after I get done, there's a row of about 12 to 15 older ladies who come up to me and go, Oh, Donnie, I remember when you were just a little boy, little preacher boy. You're doing so, you're so good now. There's no honor, right? No matter what. So next time I go home and I get to preach, I'm going to preach some hardcore, angry gospel at them, right? Um, But that's not what's happening yet. G, right up here, we're gonna. I, I don't want you to, to misinterpret this. Look at, he said today, verse twenty one. Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In verse twenty two, and all spoke well of him, and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, "Is not this Joseph's son?" That sounds like honor to me. That sounds like they, well, I mean, they were marveling at what Jesus was saying. They were saying, man, listen to the words that he's speaking. They were, they were speaking well of him. That's honor. 
Right? And, and so when they say, isn't this Joseph's son? It's really easy for us to go, oh, well, they're, they're bashing Jesus here. Right? They weren't saying, oh, this is, this is Joseph's son. This is Jesus. We saw him as a little boy. We know who Jesus is. We don't have to listen to him. He's crazy. That's not what they're doing here. They're going, man, listen to this is Joseph's son. This is Jesus. We know him. He, listen to the words that he's speaking. He shouldn't be able to do that. I know him. And they were marveling. Right? And, and so uh, what we need to understand is, right, at this point, Jesus still had honor. Everything was good, right? Everyone in that little synagogue, everyone in that little church, they were all excited. There were no worries, no drama. Everybody was agreeing with what Jesus was saying. Everybody loved the preacher and the preacher's message. It almost sounds too good to be true, right? And so you know, some of you are like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but, but really what was happening is they were excited about what Jesus was saying because they were looking Forward to the day the Messiah was going to come. And so when they see Jesus and he's reading this messianic text and he's saying, here I am. Man, they were they were pumped. Right. And so we need to remember just a little bit of Israel's history. Right. Y'all don't fall asleep on me. Y'all stay with me. Okay. Remember a little bit of Israel's history. God was talking to Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12. That was a long time ago, right? That was, that was in the beginning of your Bible. That's how long ago it was. And God was telling Abraham, I'm going to bless you and your offspring, and it's going to become my chosen people. It's going to be a great nation. It's going to outnumber at, literally the sand on the seashore. It's not going to be enough sand to count how many people are in your offspring. Right? And nothing, this blessing, I'm going to bless your people, your Israel, right? I'm going to bless them. It's going to be huge. Right? And so for generations and generations, these Israelites were known as God's chosen people. Right? You guys with me? You guys remember this? Is it kind of refreshing something? Good. I hope so. So slowly, though, this was what began to happen. Slowly over time, this grew for the Israelites, knowing that they're God's chosen people. This slowly began to to grow into this real ethnic centered focus that they were the only things that were important in this world. And, And we see that in Scripture over and over and over again. Matter of fact, there's many times when we talk about the Israelites, when you hear a word preached on them, it's almost negative every time, right? It's because they went from should have been humbled God's chosen people to just these arrogant, ethnic-centered, focused, selfish people, right? But remember the context. So they've gone from slavery to, to God in the promised land, and, and they had this pride built up in them, right? But they knew that regardless... They were God's chosen people and everything that was pushing towards a Messiah coming back, it was for the Messiah to come and build them back up. Because if you read in the Old Testament, time and time again, even though they were God's chosen people, Old Testament shows us that they got demolished and conquered time and time again. You can go through the Old Testament and the Israelites were conquered by blah, 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 blah. And the Israelites were conquered by blah, 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 blah. But no matter how many times they were conquered, they held on to the promise that this coming Messiah would come and save the nation of Israel. That this Messiah would come and save God's chosen people. They held on to that. Right? Y'all with me? And so today, so what's happening is when, when Jesus comes and he's reading the scripture in front of him and he goes, today, this scripture has been fulfilled for centuries, right? And in this, in this culture, in this time, man, they were being oppressed by Rome, 
The government was trying to choke him out. Everyone pretty much hated him. When they hear Jesus say, today the scripture has been fulfilled in their hearts, man, they're like, it's our time. It's our time. So literally, when, 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 they, when they hear what Jesus was saying, Jesus said, uh, I came to, set, uh, to proclaim good news to the poor. What they heard was, all of us who are broke, we ain't going to be broke no more. Jesus is here. Right? When Jesus says, I came here to, to set liberty to those who are oppressed, they're like, Rome's been on our back. Not anymore. Jesus is here. The Messiah is here. He's going to establish his kingdom right here, right now. It's our time to shine again. We are God's chosen people. And so I want you to see what, what, what in their mind and in their heart, what they're thinking. And what's crazy is even when they're thinking us, Right? Here to free us, here to help us, here to set us free. It wasn't even all of Israel. That's how selfish these people were. When they were thinking us, they were thinking the us who follow the rules very good. Because not all of Israel follow the Old Testament law. Can you believe that? Mitch, can you believe that? Can you believe that in our culture today, not everybody's a Christian? Can you believe that there's some people in our country, in this world, that are, they don't believe in God? Can you believe that? That they don't live by the same standards that we got. Wow, that's a mind-blowing concept. Right? Oh, wow, I wonder what we should do about that. Maybe make fun of them all. No. Right? And so what's going on, they're, they're, they're just so self-centered, talking about the ones who actually follow up. Jesus is here to save us, to set us up above everyone else, because we are God's chosen people. Okay? But here's when things get a little crazy and get really exciting for preachers, okay? Because I want you to see what Jesus does. Look at verse 23. And he said to them, doubtless you will quote to me. So this is future tense. He's saying in the future, you will quote to me this proverb. Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And we know that's exactly in about three years at this point, exactly what they're going to be saying to Jesus as he's dying and being hung on a cross. If you really are the son of God, get yourself down. You healed so many other people. Why can't you heal yourself? Get yourself down if you are who you say you are. Right. And then look at the next verse. And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. And so that's kind of a weird way for Jesus to accept all this excitement, all these uh, good things being said about him, all this honor that was being thrown his way. That's kind of weird for him to go, look, you guys completely got it wrong. In about three years, you guys are going to hate me. I'm not even, I don't have honor even here in my hometown. Okay, y'all with me right now? And here's why. We're about to dig into why Jesus even said this. Look at verse 25. This is awesome. He's, he's about to literally um, quote them two stories from the Old Testament that every single one of those men in that synagogue who was praising his name because he's going to come and fix Israel. He's about to quote them two stories that they know and hate very well. Okay? Look at verse 25. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. You guys know Elijah. He's a prophet. When the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. Okay? 
And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Okay? And so what we've just talked about is that Israel cares only about one thing, themselves. And they're all excited that here comes Jesus. He's going to set us up. He's going to give us power. He's going to make us a great nation once again. And Jesus is going, no, listen. Do you remember that one time Israel had nothing to eat? There was famine for three years. God didn't send Elijah to heal and to protect and to provide for the Israelites. He sent them to the widow who was a foreigner. Y'all don't feel that teaching? Look at the next story he tells. Verse 27. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah. Okay, different prophet. And none of them were, was cleansed but only Naaman the Syrian. Okay. If you don't know, um, Israelites hate any Samaritans, right? Any Samaritans, they hate, they hate any, pretty much they hate everyone. Okay. And he's saying there's this time in Elijah's day where... All of Israel, there's this leprosy running rampant. And God sends Elijah to heal people. And the only one that he heals is Naaman. And here's the, here's the crazy thing about this, is that Naaman was a foreign king. He was an enemy to God, enemy to their nation. And he was the only one, the Bible says, Second Kings, go study it. He was the only one that had enough faith to turn to the prophet that God sent to heal him. Does that kind of ring a bell to you a little bit there? And and so here's what's happening. Jesus is telling about all these stories how God chose to deliberately not help and provide and heal Israel, but other people. And I want you to see what that outcome of Jesus preaching these stories is, okay? Look at the next verse, verse 29 or verse 28. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. Okay? So that's an extreme speaking well of Jesus. I love you. You're so awesome. Go establish our kingdom to we are full of wrath, Jesus. And look at what they're trying to do here. And they rose up and drove him out to town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they can throw him down the cliff. But here's the cool thing about Jesus being God. He can do things like this. Passing through their midst, he went away. You ever see those old cartoons where two, like, Bugs Bunny and, uh, uh, what's that, Elmer Fudd, they were fighting, and it's just a bunch of dust, and then Bugs Bunny kind of slips out, and he's, like, fighting himself, and Bugs just kind of goes away. That's what's happening here. That's what I envision here, okay? Let me have my imagination. There are a bunch of crowd. They're yelling. They're screaming. They hate Jesus. They throw him off, and they get there. Where's Jesus? I don't know. Oh, yeah, he's God, right? He's gone. And, and so here, here's what's going on. Jesus reads... That he's the fulfillment of the coming Messiah. He's here uh, and he's it. Everyone's marveling. Everyone's excited. Jesus says, yes, hold on. I I am the Messiah. Yes, I'm here. But what I'm about to do and why I came here looks way different than what you're thinking it's looking. What I'm about to do, why I'm here, what the gospel stands for, who, who God stands for is way, way different than what you're thinking. Okay, and, and so, man, at this point forward, everything about Jesus, every aspect of his life, his teachings, the way he heals people, the people he chooses to be around, everything about Jesus literally is pushing that they got it wrong. 
He is going to combat this mindset that they have until the day that he dies. And, and so there's many, there's literally, there's so many ways that, that, um, that it's different, but I'm only going to talk about a, a few of these, okay? The first way that it's different than what they were thinking, the gospel and why Jesus came, why it's different, the first reason why is because it is going to include peoples from different ethnic groups and backgrounds. Y'all hear me? Okay. Israel being chosen. Okay, God chose them. They should have been humble about that. But instead, they hated everyone. Everyone, every nation, every country, they hated them. They despised. If you were a Gentile, they extra hated you. Okay? Us. They, they would hate us. Okay? But what does Jesus do? He comes in and combats that mindset and combats that heart. Because that is a heart issue. Y'all say heart issue. Heart. heart issue. How does he do that? Jesus teaches. You guys know a lot of these teachings from Jesus. He talks about the Good Samaritan. He's, like, he, he's talking to the Pharisees. like, look, there's a guy. He got beat up, got everything stolen. He's sitting there bloody, about to die. And the first person to walk by, this man in need, was a priest. And what did the priest do when he walked by and saw this man dying? Mm-mm. Okay, who's the next person? A Levite, someone who's been trained to be a priest of God, walks by and goes, I don't have time for this. And these, these Israelites, these Pharisees are listening to Jesus say this, and he goes, oh, and then a Samaritan, right? That, that, those people that you don't like, a Samaritan walks by, and they, they go way out of their way to help this person in need. So he glorifies not a Levite, not a priest, but he glorifies a Samaritan, someone who's not God's chosen people. You guys with me? You see kind of why they hated Jesus and wanted to kill him? Right? Another, I'll give you another one. There's ten lepers. It's going to be later on in the book of Luke. There's ten lepers, and they're coming to Jesus, and there's a bunch of people from different areas, and they're like, Jesus, please heal us. And he's like, no, go on, and, and go tell your priest what happens. And as they're walking away, they're healed. Right? It's like Steph Curry, long distance, Jesus heals them. Right? And then out of the ten who walked away, who just got healed, only one of them comes back to Jesus and says, thank you. And it wasn't an Israelite. Just a man. The Seraphonician's daughter. Not an Israelite. Not a law follower. Jesus looks at her and goes, man, I have not seen faith like yours in all of Israel. So Jesus it relentlessly over and over and over attacks this idea that our ethnicity is good enough to be in right standing with God. It's not. It's not. So what happens, this is a beautiful thing. Here comes Jesus. He steps on the scene. He's proclaiming the good news that he's here. He's the Messiah. And now, 2018, we have different cultures with different unique backgrounds that can come together and worship Jesus in each and every single unique way. It's this beautiful picture of the kingdom of God. This is why Jesus came. So that the... That the gospel, the message that Jesus is the only way to be forgiven of your sins can go to China in their culture, change them, and then they can bring something unique that we can't bring as a bunch of white crackers in East Tennessee. (laughs) That the gospel can go to Africa 
and their culture change their hearts and they bring something unique to the worship and glorifying of Jesus Christ. You know what it's called? Being able to clap on beat. We can't do that. We're working on it, right? And this is what Matt Chandler, he, he preached this sermon. He, I love Matt Chandler. He preached this topic, preached this sermon. Some of my notes come from his sermon. This is from 2011. Okay? God gave it to him. God gave it to me. Who cares? Right? But he said when he preached this, that he, and Lucy can attest to this. What's, what's horrible is that a bunch of people from America, right? We take the gospel and we go on mission trips. And, and we go to places like Africa. And we bring our culture, the gospel from our culture's perspective, and try to take it to places like Africa where their culture is way different than ours. And say, this is how you do it because this is how we do it in America. Right? You can talk to my wife, who's been there many times for long periods of time. Their culture worships way different than our culture. We don't need to try to bring a bunch of hymns where we stand and we just kind of look at each other while we sing. You go to Africa, they're screaming their guts out, dancing, clapping, praising God the way that is supposed to be authentic. I've been to Costa Rica, right? Got a bunch of Latin American Christians. Their worship's fast, their worship's long, and you come out sweating. And that's the first hour and a half before the preacher even says, hey, what's going on? But what I'm trying to get to is this. If you study the Old Testament, it deals with worship and sacrifice. Over and over, so much in, in the Old Testament. You get to the New Testament, it's very random that you see anything about worship. Very random. Why is that? Because the New Testament is literally a missionary handbook that proclaims the gospel, that it applies to every culture in their context. So that the gospel goes to them, it changes their hearts, and then they, because the gospel does this, changes their culture. And so why are we even bring this up? Because I want you to hear me when I say this. I love you. Just hear me. The gospel isn't this celebration of an American God. God is not American. Long before our country was established, God was God. And Christianity was doing very well before we became a country. And so this whole ethnic idea that we are Americans, so we're Christian, we're good, that goes out the window when Mary gave birth to Jesus. These Israelites, when they're thinking, because we're God's chosen people, that dies when Jesus cried his first cry. Ethnicity doesn't get you into heaven. Jesus Christ does. So that's the first way that they got it wrong. The second way looks like this. Not only was it going to include all people from different ethnic backgrounds, it was also going to include people with dark past and people that are currently struggling. Right? Think about Jesus' teaching all through the New Testament. Some of my favorite te- um, Jesus' teachings uh, is people that should not have been approached by Jesus and Jesus just runs to them. Think about Zacchaeus, the tax collector, who was raising these taxes to give more money to the Roman government, put a little extra in his pocket. Here comes everyone, and Jesus said, hey, I'm coming over. Right? And time and time again, these Pharisees hated that. Jesus wasn't supposed to be with the tax collectors and the sinners. He was supposed to be with them because they were better at being good than they were. They were more righteous than they were. 
They told Jesus, man, you're a glutton, you're a drunk, you're a friend of sinners. Praise God. He's a friend of sinners. Praise God. Think about it. The woman at the well. Jesus called her out. Look, you've, yeah, you, your husband, you got five of them things. You're thirsty for more than water, girl. Huh? I'll let that sink in for you, right? Jesus friends her. I will give you living water. Think about the woman who was caught in adultery. They drug her before Jesus. Drug her and said, hey, the law says, they're trying to trip him up. The law says that we stone her. We literally bash her with rocks until she's dead. What do you say? Jesus goes, yeah, okay. Yeah, go for it. If, if the first one of you that doesn't have sin in your life, you pick that stone up and we'll, we'll get it going. Jesus starts warming his arm up, right? They all drop their stones one by one and Jesus says, Who, who's he's here to condemn you? Neither do I. Go and sin no more. So this whole idea of you, them being good enough, they follow the law, Jesus kills them. They were thinking in their mind, right? In, in their mind that, that because those people are sinners, those people are not righteous, when the Messiah comes, He's just going to destroy them all. That's what they were looking forward to. Everyone but us, because we're righteous, we, we follow the law, the law, the law, the law. He's going to wipe everybody else out because we're that good. And Jesus goes, no, I, I didn't come here for the well. The well don't need a position. I come here for the sick. Y'all with me? I don't know if you guys are. They couldn't wrap around, they couldn't wrap their minds around the thought that God in His goodness and in His love could care for those type of people. They couldn't wrap their minds around it. That Jesus would sit with, eat with, preach with, encourage, and heal would be these people. So it's different. It's different. The third way is this. The next way that they got it wrong, not only would it include people from different ethnic backgrounds, but it would include people with dark past and people who are currently struggling, right? Praise God for the current struggle. All right, if you're currently struggling, say amen. amen. Thank you, I'm not alone, and you're not a bunch of liars, right? It would include people with dark past and current struggles, but also the Messiah would come and the gospel would take root in the heart, not in just actions. The gospel will take root in your heart, not just in your outward appearance and your outward actions. And, and here's what's going on in this culture and this culture today, especially East Tennessee. What's happening is their mindset was, I need to do what this says. And because in today's world we have bad preachers and bad Bible teachers telling you that if you don't do this, 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 and this, God doesn't love you. And if you fell victim to that, I'm sorry. But the Bible tells us that there's freedom in Jesus. And that His righteousness is good enough to save us. That you don't have to work to earn God's love. There's nothing you can do to take God's love away from you. He just loves you. And the Bible, I promise you, when the Bible, a lot of you might have this, this idea that you might be able to lose your salvation. That, listen, John 3, 16 is very simple. For God to love the world that He gave His only Son, that who would ever believe in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so what that means is you don't have enough power in your body to sin enough for God to go, okay, yeah, now you're done. 
Jesus' life and His perfection and His righteousness, He went to the cross and exchanged it for your dirty, evil, wicked heart and mind as well. So when Jesus comes, He's going, look, it's not about your outward appearance. And, and what that is, that's horrible, right? That's horrible. Because what they were doing, right, they are going, we follow the law, right? And so Jesus comes, and he, this is what Jesus does. He goes, cool, Don't, you know the law says do not commit adultery, right? You guys know that? The Bible says that. So all these people, all these men are like, got it. I don't cheat on my wife. And then Jesus goes, okay, that's cool, but do you have lust in your heart? Because if you lust after a woman, you're committing the sin. Oh, boy. You see how Jesus is combating this whole idea, right? Jesus goes on to say, man, love your neighbors. Man, done. I love Greg. I love Penny. Right? Love you guys. I love Don, Diane, love Rachel, Adam. I love my neighbors. I'm good. Jesus says, love your enemy. (laughs) What? How many of you have ever prayed that God would destroy one of your enemies? Skip, Charlie. Y'all, y'all the only ones that are honest. Everyone else who giggled a little bit, I'm taking that as an indication that, yeah, you've prayed that prayer before. Right? God, Jesus comes in and He goes, love your enemies. Right? He, he even comes to the Pharisees one time. And, and He says to them, man, you guys tithe well, but you lack in mercy and love. So Jesus comes in, and it's not about your outward actions, this facade that you're good. It's about your heart. What is your heart saying? What is it that your heart claims that who you are? Who are you? You can do Christianity, or you can be a Christian. Those are two very different things. And Jesus comes in and just combats it. Man, it's about you and your heart being transformed by my grace, by my mercy, by my love, by my power. You're saved by grace through faith, not by works. These men hated it. Do the law all you want. What is in your heart? Who are you? Y'all with me? Last point. And I'll end with this. I might get in a little trouble with this, get some phone calls, but my phone hasn't been working anyway, so leave me a voicemail. I'll get it at some point. Not only was it going to include people with different ethnic backgrounds, not only was it going to include um, God talking to people with dark pasts and, and current struggles. Not only was it not about what we can do, but who we are. Um, it was not going to be a political movement. It was not going to be a political movement. Israel, they wanted this so very badly. They wanted, uh, uh, I'm sorry this might get you mad, but they wanted a Messiah to come in and establish a moral law, a moral government over everyone so that they could lift themselves up and everyone else kind of fall in line. And what I, this, and I, I love you, but what I hate the most about our culture right now is I see Christians 
Some of them are friends. Some of them are on Facebook. Some are on the news. I see Christians and what's happening instead of just living the gospel out in their neighborhoods, living the gospel out in their workplace, living the gospel out in their schools and where they go and in their church and in the communities, instead of living it out and trying to lovingly show grace and mercy and proclaim the gospel to the people around them who are obviously lost, and let the gospel transform their hearts. What they do, what I'm seeing today is Christians are, they're like, man, it needs to be like this. I, I see Christians pointing out, I don't care if you, all the dumb left liberals or, or the dumb right conservatives. or It's just, they're wasting time. The gospel historically has changed hearts and that translates from changed hearts to changed cultures and that translates from changed cultures to changed countries and what that will translate and what the gospel is for is that will turn from changed cultures to a changed world you cannot you can't politic Christianity Jesus wasn't about it never would be about it and is not going to be about it. Many times they came and snatched Jesus. They snatched him. Tried to make him king. Nah. Not having it. They tried to trick him. Jesus, who do we pay taxes to? He says, cool, who's got, who's got a coin? Whose face is that? Caesar's cool. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to me what's mine. You cannot legislate and politic Christianity. That's not what it's supposed to be about. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be active um, uh, politically. There's nothing wrong with us being active in our government. There's nothing wrong with God-fearing men and women who step up in the government positions who are solid, Bible-believing Christians. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. What I'm saying is we shouldn't have pride uh, or what I'm not saying is we shouldn't just not have pride in our country. I, I love my country. I'm, I'm proud to be an American. My grandpa fought World War II for this country. Love it. I'm, I'm not saying that, that uh, we, we shouldn't go around and, and speak what's on our mind. But what I'm saying is that Jesus didn't come and go, here's the answer to the fallen world, to the broken culture. I'm going to overthrow Rome and then set up a moral law that everyone has to follow. And if you don't, you die and you go to hell. That's not what Jesus did. So if that's not the answer, then guess what, buddy? It's not the answer now. If you want to see our culture change and turn towards Jesus, then it starts with your heart being changed and transformed and you living as Christ Jesus lived. It means that your mission isn't to point out how messed up the liberal side my home state, California, is. That's not your job. Your job is not to point to those who are broken and lost and say you're broken and lost. You should not be surprised that lost people act like lost people. And lost people are not held to your standard because they are lost. They're not Christians. But what you do is you let the gospel and Jesus transform your heart. And you lovingly, just like Jesus did, 
Come in and you find someone that maybe you disagree with and say, hey, I disagree with you and, and I love you. Let me talk to you about Jesus. And you befriend someone and you start conversations and you get off of Facebook and you start bashing people and you show grace and you show mercy and you pray and you allow the gospel to change you first. Before you try to blame everyone else for the problem with this country. This country's been messed up. And it's going to stay messed up if Christians are just trying to throw Jesus in the government. We need more transformed hearts. And we need less of laws being changed. I love you guys. Jesus would not be about it. Government, conservatism, liberalism, patriotism, none of these things are going to change and transform the world. The only thing that will change this country and change this world is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. And I'm afraid that Christians today in our culture forgot what their mission is. Forgot exactly what mission that they're supposed to be on. And, and so if, if you forgot, uh, let's, let's, re- let's remember that we're supposed to imitate Christ, right? And so if, if we know Jesus' mission, that means that our mission is whatever Jesus' mission is, right? Does that make sense or am I just crazy? If we're supposed to be Christians, right, we live in America, so we're Americans. If we're supposed to be Christians and we live in Christ, that means whatever Christ's mission is, that should be our mission. Am I right or am I wrong? Say amen if I'm right. Amen. amen. So if that's correct, and if you're agreeing with me, let's look again at Jesus' mission, verse 18. And I want us to read this, and I want you to look at your life and what you've been doing with your Christianity and see if you are on the same mission as Jesus Christ. This hurt me a little bit. And so I I hope it, uh, lovingly, I hope it hurts you, but I hope it motivates us a little bit. Look at verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That is the mission that each and every single Christian needs to be on. That is the mission of Jesus Christ, why he came to this world. So what is our mission? He said to proclaim the good news to the poor. That's literally physically poor. People who have zero money. Homeless. I don't care why they're homeless. If they're homeless, our mission is to proclaim the good news that Jesus Christ, in Him, you have all that you need. How does that relate to your mission? Also to the spiritually poor, those who who don't have a good understanding of Jesus. You go and you just proclaim that God is good and that God loves them. Proclaim the good news to the poor. To recover sight to the blind. Our job as Christians is to go and help people see that Jesus and his life and his righteousness is enough. Open their eyes that they don't have to please God. That God's already pleased. He just wants them to repent and turn to him. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Those who are held captive, in this context, it was those who held, were held captive to the law. These Israelites, that's all they knew. They knew nothing of a relationship with Jesus. They just knew law, 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 law. And if you don't think that happens today, I guarantee you there are many of us in here today that struggle with that. 
And here's why. When you get really good, when you figure out how to follow the law, you get really good at it. When somebody stands up here and preaches, it's not about what you do. It's about God's grace. You get mad. So we set liberty. We set to, there's freedom in Jesus Christ. Set liberty, those to the captives, to set at liberty. These are two different things. To proclaim liberty to the captives, that there's freedom in Jesus, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Those are two different things. And what I think in this is saying is, and I love you, but those who are literally oppressed in any way, shape, or form, even if you don't believe their claims of being oppressed. If you read the Old Testament... God cares a lot about those who are being done injustly. And if you don't care about injustice, then you're not on the same page as your Heavenly Father. Y'all want to get political? He proclaimed liberty to set at liberty those who are oppressed. The last one, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, that the grace that comes with knowing Jesus. There's nothing better than that. Nothing better. The Lord's grace is good. And, and so here, here's my time of response. Here's, my, here's a challenge for you. You ready? Say you're ready. Maybe Christians in here, Maybe you have some heart issues that Jesus is combating. I, I don't know about you, but the, the one that, that gets me the most is the story where, uh, of the Good Samaritan. Maybe you walk by too many people hurting and in need. Maybe you have this, this ethnic pride or this, 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 this facade in your mind that because you go to church, you're You're good. If that's true, man, one of my favorite stories of people that I hear is when somebody comes to the altar and they say, I've been in church my entire life and I got it wrong. I need Jesus. Those are my faith. I love those stories more than the crackhead who's been to prison his whole life and accepted Jesus Christ. I love those stories way more because it shows liberty in their life. And so maybe if you're a Christian in here or you've been playing this Christian game, maybe there's some heart issues that God's trying to deal with. You need to let him deal with it. Maybe you need to come in and ask for forgiveness. You don't lose your salvation, but you can get sidetracked really easily in this walk. If you're not a believer in here, maybe, maybe you've been wrestling with that. Jesus comes and he does all of this to set you free from the bondage of your sin. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin equals death. And, and there is no way with your own life and all the goodness of your life, anything that you've ever did good, there is no way that it would equal up to being forgiven of your sins, to pay that penalty of death. There's no way you can pile enough good deeds to cover your penalty of death Right? But Jesus comes and he does it. And he comes so that you can have a new life. Don't forget, he's a friend of sinners. You're, you're not too far gone that Jesus can't heal you. There's nothing on this earth that can't be healed by Jesus Christ. 
So maybe you need to answer that call. Jesus is calling you to finally surrender to him. And so I'm going to have the worship team come up. Everyone, I just want you to sit. Just don't stand. Just sit there and just close your eyes for a minute. Close your eyes. Know that God loves you. You might be going through the worst time of your life. You might be going through the best time of your life. Regardless, God loves you. And He is calling you to liberty. He's calling you to freedom. He's calling you to forgiveness. He's calling you to grace. He's calling you to mercy. He's calling you to more love. He's calling you to himself. So here in a minute, I'm going to pray. I just want you to spend time in prayer. You can come to the altar if you want to pray. I'll be standing here if you want to come. I'll pray with you. If you need to make a decision to, to, to join in the church mission, what we're doing here, if God's calling you to, to rededicate your life, if God's calling you to let go of something, come and handle that. But I, I don't even want you to stand and sing until you have spent time in prayer asking God to show you the areas in your heart that you need to have transformed by His grace and His gospel. And so I'm going to pray. You continue to pray. And when you're done... You can join us in standing and singing, but just I just want you to pray and listen and follow as the Spirit leads you. God, you're so good. Jesus, we praise you. We glorify you because you are the Son of God. And you could have came down here and you could have established your kingdom instantly and you could have done all these things, but you stayed true to your heavenly Father's will. And the gospel is for everyone. It's for lost, it's for sinners, it's for every ethnic group in the whole world. It can save anyone, it can heal anyone. Jesus, we praise you for that. But God, if there's anything in our hearts that are not lined up with your heart and your mission and your vision and your kingdom. Show us that, God, so that we can get back on track with you, so that we can come in and love and show mercy and show grace to this culture that we're in today. But start it with us, Jesus. Change our heart first. Your sons, let me pray again. Y'all continue to pray. When you're done, you can stand and sing with us.